This is Beta Cell, a show about people living with type 1 diabetes. I'm Craig Steubing. Deanna was always an active person. She started dancing when she was four years old, and as she got older, she competed internationally. After graduating from a performing arts high school, she earned her minors and master's degrees in dance at York University in Toronto. She was 25 years old, where she picks up her story from here. I had finished my master's in dance and was like, oh, I'm feeling so good. And I applied to the PhD program because I had sort of been nominated by some of my professors to continue my research and continue my work in the dance department. And so I was feeling pretty darn good, aside from all those telltale symptoms that I didn't realize what they were at the time with, you know, being super thirsty all the time and ready to pass out when I would just sit down and stop doing something for a second. And were those symptoms affecting your dance? They were. Outside of dance, I'm also a fitness instructor. So I'm super, super physical and had taken on a few extra classes here and there. I was training for a Tough Mudder competition. So it made it difficult because I was tired. And I noticed, especially in the gym, if I was trying to train, that my muscles just weren't responding the way that they normally would. I mean, it made sense in my head that I'd be super thirsty because I'm, I'm working out so hard, but it didn't like the amount that I was drinking and like that, it was like an urgency. Like I was so thirsty that should have probably triggered me sooner than it did to go to a doctor now that I think about it. How long do you think you had these symptoms? Um, I would guess it was a good four or five months before I actually went to the doctor. And I actually went to the doctor thinking that, you know, I'm drinking so much water. I can't stop going to the washroom. I must have like a bladder infection or a virus or something like that. And when they did it, they, it was a walk-in clinic the day before Good Friday, they had me do blood work. And the next morning, so Good Friday, I got a phone call on my cell at like 7.30 and they left a voicemail saying, you have diabetes, go to the emergency room. <laughs> so what's your, what was your reaction when you heard that voicemail? I mean, that was the last thing that I was expecting. And I mean, I was, it was panic more than anything. It was I need to do what they told me to do. I need to get to the emergency room as fast as I can. And I did. Canadian healthcare, I know, works a bit differently than American healthcare. And so basically, they set me up with a clinic. I like to call it a conveyor belt. You'd make your appointment, you'd go in, you'd see a nurse, and then they'd pop you out the other side. And the next time you'd come in, you'd go through the, the line again, but you'd see a different nurse and then come out the other side. There's very much this weird feeling that I think was this and still is some days the scariest part of diabetes is that you it's now your responsibility to be in control of your blood sugar. And I am not a pancreas. And so I can never be as perfect as my pancreas was for that purpose, but it's my responsibility. And so how am I going to be as controlled as I possibly can? If anything, in the last two years, I have learned that diabetes is not, is not just about consistency in regards to how I take care of myself, but it's also consistency in regards to what kinds of advice I'm getting and who I'm dealing with. 
which then really led me on a search for anyone who I thought would be able to deal with someone like myself, because many people are not used to thinking of diabetics as active people and are not used to dealing with people who like to be as active as I am. So I needed to find someone who could do that. And that led me to a friend of actually my boss at the gym, who is a type one, and he's a fitness instructor. And I just called him and said, where do you go? Where's your nurse? Set me up. Because if you're able to work out and do all the things you want to do, those are the things I want. So I need that person in my life. And uh, so since that time, I've been with the same clinic and the same nurse. She's someone who firmly believes that Diabetes should not dictate what you do or don't do. We have to be more prepared for it. We have to plan for the thing, those types of things, but it shouldn't stop you as long as you're safe. And she helped me to do that. People who don't have type 1 don't realize how individual the disease is. Oh, no, yeah. My type 1 is a lot different than your type 1, oh, than yeah. someone else's type 1. And so for sure. knowing someone who understands the specific way your body works yeah. makes a huge difference. No, yeah, it makes it. And, and to be able to sit down with someone and backtrack and look at the records and have them already know who you are, what you do, and is not afraid of it. Because, you know, at the other clinic, I ran into a few nurses who would advocate for exercise and whatnot being a, a good thing but sort of discourage you from doing too much of it because that's when it gets complicated. So make your life easier. Why do you have to run 10 kilometers, right? Like, well, because I want to, because I did before, because I think I still can. I just have to work harder for it. You wanted to make diabetes fit into your life and they wanted you to sort of fit into diabetes. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, change your life and just, this is your life now. And for someone who had dance, moving, fitness, exercise. I mean, that's, that's who I was. That's who I am. And, um, to be told that that doesn't fit anymore because this new unexpected thing did fit into your puzzle. It's devastating. I had to think about pre-diabetes Deanna, you know, she worked so hard all of those 25 years and you're still that person. You have this thing and, you know, do you really want to make let all that hard work go to waste simply because you're now diabetic Deanna who likes to dance, right? So when you do your first Tough Mudder race, yeah. how tough was that with type one? Oh, it was terrifying. <laughs> um, mainly because, I mean, I was still on multi-dose injections. I was so new to all of it and uh, I had to carry this big backpack that I got. And what was in your backpack? I had to carry insulin because in case I suddenly spiked because of the stress, I had to carry needle tips and antiseptic wipes and my blood glucose meter, which was huge at the time because it was like the starter one. I didn't know any better. I had to carry, you know, my strips. I had to carry Dex tabs and sugar packets and just anything possible in case I went low. I had to time everything. So, you know, a half hour before the race starts, you have to... We had timed it so you're going to have a snack and this is what you're going to have. You're going to inject half the amount of insulin. Of course, that happened to be the day where the race ran late. So 
my plan kind of went out the window and I had to fly by the seat of my pants figuring it out. So you ate and then the race took too I ate, long and, the race and then took your too blood long. sugar started going up. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, run on the spot, run on the spot, like do, do something. <laughs> um, of course, it also like happened to torrential downpour all morning and all throughout the race. So testing was like a nightmare because your strips would get wet and I'd have to start again where there's water on my fingers and there's mud everywhere. And it was like, oh God. On the back of my very large glucose meter, I typed out the plan in terms of if you test and this is the number, then this is what you're supposed to do. Like I laminated it and Velcroed it onto the back of my meter so, <laughs> so that I could just flip it over. I thought it was ingenious. And is that just because you, you felt so new at the whole diabetes I thing? I did. I And I had never done a Tough Mudder competition without diabetes, never, let alone with it. I didn't totally yet understand because it is a learning curve, not just understanding what the plan is. So, I mean, anybody can learn to, to carb count, but to actually understand how your body is going to respond to the carbs you eat and then to exercise, like you said, it's, it's an individual thing. It's not anything that can come out of a textbook. And I was still at the point where I was at textbook level because I had just gotten that consistency of having my nurse and had really just begun the journey towards understanding what diabetes meant in my body. And the plan's always changing. Like it, even if you have a plan, it you know, <laughs> even if the race starts on time, even if you run at the same pace and do all your things at the same time, it's, it's not going to matter. No. No, it's, it's not. And, you know, of course I always say, you know, everything that could have gone wrong that day did. And I didn't finish the race. I came so close. I was four kilometers away. Uh, and I stopped because the paramedic stopped me. How come? Finally. Well, I finally found a paramedic and, uh, went into their tent so I could test in a dry area and my sugars were, they were getting low. And he looked at that and went, I don't like the looks of that. You have four kilometers left. And I was like, I know, but I can, you know, I'll sit here. I'll, I'll eat some Dex tabs. You can watch me. Right. And he goes, okay, there's, there's an, you're going to do that. There's an obstacle like right over there. I can see it. I'm going to come over there. You're going to do it. And then when you get to the other side, you're going to test. And if I don't like that number, I'm driving you back down the hill. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, my number had come down even further, mainly because it was so cold <laughs> that my body was shivering and trying to warm itself up on top of running on top of, you know, all of that. So they took me back down to the paramedics, uh, tent and you know, where all the hurt people go and I'm put in a different tent with a bunch of, uh, they're, they're like these really big, like burly, strong looking dudes. And I'm sitting there and everybody's like, Oh, why did you get brought back down? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm a type one diabetic and they didn't like the looks of my numbers. And so he brought me back down and they all look at me and go, we're type one diabetics too. They brought us down too today. And I went, oh really? So then it became, you know, like, oh, what kilometer did you get brought down? And, and you know, when were you diagnosed? And so then when I said, you know, oh, I had four kilometers left and I was diagnosed, you know, in April, they look at me and go, oh my gosh, I've been, you know, I've had this for five years and 
I got taken down like way before you, you did better than me. So we kind of made our own finish line. <laughs> we call, we did. And, uh, that made me feel a bit better because that was really the first physical competition that I had done post-diagnosis. And in my head, I had built it up to be, you know, like the be all to end all of, you know, if I do this, like I can beat diabetes in my head. And then he took me down the hill and the whole time down, I remember I was like, diabetes won today. It won. I lost. But then finding those other people and and hearing their stories and um, realizing how brave it was and how well I had done considering my situation kind of made me feel this was attempt one, right? Maybe it's not about win or lose. It's, it's just try. Looking back on that day, do you still feel like diabetes won? Some days I do. That's the hardest part of this, this disease, this condition is that, you know, I think we all have days where we're like, I'm a diabetic ass and look at all the things I do and I'm awesome. And then there are days where, you know, things aren't cooperating and the plan doesn't work and you go, Oh, diabetes won today. I'm too tired to do this. Right. But overall, I'd say, you know, I'm pretty proud that I, I attempted it. I, now that I know more about my condition and more about my body, I can't imagine what I was thinking doing it at that point. And that if I had been in the place I am now, that maybe, maybe I would have actually crossed the real finish line. Cause I, I, I would know better how to, how to treat myself. Do you ever feel like now that you have type one, that all this dance and physical activity isn't worth it? No, no, I don't love diabetes, but I love the dance and the fitness and nothing can take that away. Cause I, I know that I would be, I know I would be miserable if I didn't do it. So if doing it and putting in that extra effort means that I'm happy or happier because I get to do what I love, then it's worth the extra work. I hid my diabetes for most of that first year and a half. Nobody at the fitness center that I teach at knew that I was type one until this year in November <laughs> for World Diabetes Day. I hosted, I'm a, I'm a Zumba and a Pilates instructor. So we had a Zumbathon, which is like a big Zumba class where everyone pays a certain amount of money and it goes to a charity. And I've done it for a few years now. And I chose to do it for I Challenge Diabetes, which is a Canadian non-for-profit agency run by Chris Jarvis, who's an Olympic type one, but he was an Olympic rower. When everyone asked, you know, why are we doing that? I went, because I am type one and I go to their events and help them with some of their events. And, uh, and we're going to do it on national diabetes day on, you know, November 14th. So it was a shock to them. <laughs> it was scary as heck for me. Scary telling them. Yeah. Yeah. How come? Simply because there is such a stigma attached to diabetes as a condition. And I think that was the most surprising thing is that, you know, how little I knew about the care for type one and how little people know about what it means to have a diabetic body. 
It's astounding. The stigmas are the exact opposite of who I am and what I do. And so I think I feared for the most part that the minute I said it, suddenly I wouldn't be, you know, fitness instructor Deanna. I would just be diabetic Deanna. And then all of those, you know, the idea, you know, everybody knows the jokes of, oh, you must have gorged yourself on Oreo cookies and that's why you have diabetes. Control yourself, right? And it's hurtful because, you know, majority of the type ones I've met are the most health conscious, active people I think I've ever met who, you know, really in this case, you know, my body just decided that beta cells suck. Like that, that's it, you know, without my control and, and there's nothing I could have done to cause it. There's nothing I could have done to stop it. And there's nothing I can do to reverse it. And yet the minute you say it, people see you differently, or I feared that they would. And I feared it would be negative. They proved me wrong. And if anything, thought more of me. And, you know, the same thing happened with, you know, I met my current boyfriend. I met him after diagnosis and met him, I don't know how many, I was just shy of a year into diagnosis. I hid it from him for our first date. By our second date, I was like, I need to tell this dude, because if he's going to head for the hills, then he better do it now. <laughs> so, you know, I, I told him I was nervous and, you know, same thing. Did not think less of me, thought more of me for doing all the things that I do despite having this extra thing in my life, even though he didn't understand it yet. And the main thing was I thought that I wouldn't feel any relief having told everyone, but it was worse trying to hide it. It felt more shameful and, and worse when you have to duck into a room to inject your insulin or just test your blood sugar because you're scared everybody's going to find out. Feels like this dirty secret. Did you feel that shame every time you did that? I did for a while. And especially more so, I'd say, in social situations. I would not go to parties, especially at the beginning, and, you know, really refrain from a lot of things because it was too stressful. I was scared. What if something happened and nobody could help me, <laughs> right? There was just a whole slew of things that what could, could possibly go wrong. And I didn't want to deal with that. And some people, some people who, who were friends took that personally and took it as, you know, just hurry up and get over it. And I went, you know, this isn't something to get over. This is something to learn and to figure out. And it's going to take me longer than I'm not going to be ready for your barbecue in, in a couple of weeks. I'm someone who can remember, vividly remember life without diabetes because I lived for 25 years without it. And so thinking about, you know, all those milestones of New Year's now with diabetes. Oh, it's nine o'clock. I get to go take my needle now. Last year, I didn't have to do that. Right. And that's a huge life change. And it's very hard. And when you're trying to hide it, it just makes it harder. And now that people are aware, you still are always going to get the silly comments from people who all they know are those stigmas. But you take it as a, an opportunity to educate as best you can. And sometimes it works and sometimes it just goes up and over. But for the most part, people who know you and actually genuinely take the time to know you realize that that's anything but the truth. You were diagnosed just after getting accepted to York University for a doctorate of dance. 
What do you study in a doctorate of dance? When you're studying dance at the doctoral level, it's more about looking at dance as like an, a cultural anthropologist. So looking at how dance is part of our culture, socially, emotionally, physically. Specifically, I look at how dance can be used as a tool for assisting young girls with body image and self-esteem issues. Do you think being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes helped you decide to study self-esteem and body image? I do, because at the same time that I'm deciding, oh, I'm going to look at body image and, and how people's bodies and the way that they look or the way that they are really affect them, you know, I'm being so affected by my own situation. My diabetes changed for, it's, it's changed my relationship to my body. Not just that it's given me more work and, and more responsibility, but also there is not just a physical, but there is an emotional side to going through that diagnosis process and then coming out the other side with this diabetic body. I had never felt so sad and angry all at the same time and at my own body. It's this feeling of, I did everything possible to take care of you. I fueled you. I exercised you. I did everything. And then you just went ahead and broke, <laughs> you know, and I'm stuck with you now and dance and continuing to teach Zumba and to involve myself in that world. You know, that was my outlet. That was my escape. Even though I would drive to my Zumba classes early so I could sit in my car and, you know, have a cry for five minutes because <laughs> I'm like, how am I going to do this? And then would go in to a room full of people who were expecting to see happy hip shaking Deanna and I would do it. You know, it was an hour where I got to just be Zumba girl and diabetes kind of went on the back burner and having that break and having that outlet is I think really, it was central to how I have come to accept and understand my diagnosis. At what point after being diagnosed, did you realize you were sort of a living case study of your research? Mm, that took a while. <laughs> um, that's been like a fairly recent sort of epiphany, actually. I really sat down and I went, this is about me. I'm a girl. My body changed. I had issues with it. And I used dance to help myself. That's where it came from. And, um, yeah. And, and diabetes was, you know, that, that, that's the biggest challenge I think I've ever faced in terms of my body. Beta Cell is produced, recorded, and edited by me, Craig Steubing, and our theme music is by Purple Glitter. In the last year, I've made a lot of really cool Type 1 videos. If you haven't seen them, you can find them on betacellpodcast.com or by following Betacell on Instagram or Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to Betacell on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and the NPR One app to get new episodes delivered automatically to you. If you haven't yet, please leave a review on iTunes because it helps other people find the show.
I'm Craig Steubing, and this is Beta Cell.